0: Welcome to this program item, that is, oh, I need to organize my papers. <laughs> it's called Cats and Periods, Breaking the Mistral Taboo. And it's organized by Fellows for Africa. Do you have an English name? Of the Council for Africa. Council for Africa, thank yeah. you. Uh, and on behalf of the and Pride, I am usually welcome here. And if you haven't been here before, this is the first uh, year that Ustral Pride has and uh, Pride House is at again and we have over 80 events uh, in seven days here. It's the biggest that Pride House has ever been and it's also sharing this uh, tent with the biggest queer art exhibition ever in Norway. And it is organized with the help of Amnesty, Shedden, Domsjeden that is a queer youth and queer work, and many other organizations. And for this program, attempt, I will uh, now give the word to, sorry,
1: Aska that will uh, moderate this panel. Hi right, everybody. Yeah, so Aslausinje, I'm really pleased and happy that I was asked at very short notice to. Um, <laughs> I think some of you know how things work. Yeah, uh, to host uh, and to moderate this panel. Um, Today's guest of honour is a lady with many names. Uh, And in countries around the world she is named everything from like Aunt Red, to Aunt Flo, to uh, Bloody Mary, (laughs) some say Strawberry Week, some say Time of Month, some say the Monthly Plague. So she's been around since the beginning of time and since the beginning of human kind. But she's still treated as an unwanted guest. We don't like to talk about her. She exists in a mysterious space between silence and stigma. So welcome to PADSA Periods, Breaking the Menstrual Taboo. And welcome to our panel. Um, Our panel consists in the middle of Louisa Makosa. She's an activist from Zimbabwe, from the student Christian movement of Zimbabwe. Um, And they work to secure student welfare in general, but they also work particularly with sexual and reproductive health. Um, Beside her is um, She she is Secretary General of the Global International uh, Aid Organization, or NGO, uh, called CARE, working for women's empowerment and women's rights. And um, we have Dennis. I think some of you recognize him. His name is Dennis Pizilka. And he's a Kenyan journalist and LGBT activist. Um, were any of you here yesterday when he was talking about the secret gay scene in Nairobi? Yeah, yeah I, I really missed that. I think I need to talk to you later. Um, and then as another weird thing about him, because I don't really think being gay is that weird, but it is slightly weird that a man walks around with tampons and pads in his handbag. So, why, Dennis? Why?
2: Um, well, because I'm special, um, to begin with. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a much more, so it's an activist uh, thing. Um, and I want to start uh, a conversation of why men should not not carry uh, pads and tampons. Um, and also to disabuse this whole notion that menstruation is just a woman's thing. okay? And to bring in the aspect of, listen, it's it's not just a woman's thing. Everybody needs to be involved. It is a natural occurrence, and that there should be no shame in carrying hats or tampons, as a man, as
1: a woman. Um, Yeah. But I I take it that you don't yourself want to (laughs) menstruate. No. (laughs) Uh, but but you still think it's an important political issue why why Um, what is the problem
2: so majority of young girls and women do not have access to uh, pads and tampons it's a lived reality for most uh, school going girls who for example would miss out 20 to even 50% of school days just because they are menstruating look at the figures uh, research has shown that a woman needs around 17,000 pads in her lifetime, okay? And the fact that you're missing out on these essential commodities, that then affects your social, your education, your upbringing, um, and so many other levels, is in itself problematic. And as an activist, you know, it's my uh, uh, approach that we need to be discussing issues around menstruation, and how it is now a very taboo subject. Apart from the fact that there is no access to sanitary pads and tampons, it's the whole stigma attached to it. Most women who menstruate are not allowed to associate with other people during menstruation. We've got communities where women are told to go away for a week, for the five to a week, even to two weeks where they're, they're, they're considered as shameful, they're dirty, but why should we be considered shameful and dirty for something that is so natural, okay? Why do we still call uh, menstruation a that issue? Why, what language are we using? What are we saying about um, uh, demystifying this taboo quote-unquote menstruation? So, it's fucking a position around sex and sexuality, around reproductive health, But also about language. Okay? Why call them sanitary? You know, what is there to sanitize? Okay. And what are we saying when you say you want to sanitize something? It means whatever you're sanitizing is dirty. Okay? So we should break that mold and start conversation of seeing this as a natural thing and enabling women and young girls to access cars without shame and seeing how men are part of that.
1: Thank you. Luisa, um, growing up in Zimbabwe, what was your experience uh, with the way uh, menstruation is seen and dealt with in Zimbabwean society?
3: Okay, thank you very much. Um, I would like to acknowledge what Dennis is saying because it's more or less the same context. Um, Kenya and Zimbabwe are both African countries and it's been very difficult because it's one of those topics that um, not easily talked about and uh for me uh changing attitudes people have talked about in my organization that i work with we've tried to also talk about sexual reproductive health rights and be open about uh, menstruation the period and uh, in some cases young women young girls they are told that during their menstruation period they're told they are not allowed to cook you don't touch the courts because you are clean, and those are some of the problems that are faced. But uh, my concern mainly uh, when it comes to sexual reproductive health uh, and menstruation is mainly to do with the political will, how our governments have been ignoring and not prioritizing the, the health of girls and young women when it comes to menstruation. I'll give you an example to talk of a personal experience. Uh, when I was coming here, I took a challenge Uh, to take this pad, I bought it in Norway, and I was trying to look at the quality as well, and I did it in Zimbabwe as well, and it's still the same thing. You look, the first surface, this is plastic when you take a pad. So imagine if all of you are going to take a plastic and wrap it, maybe just on your hand, for like two hours, and see how uh, it sweats, how dirty it becomes. This is the project that we are getting not just in Africa even knowing this is the kind of product that we're using we are also using if you go further this is better in Africa I've also tested the pens that we use they use recycled cotton, and you can imagine the kind of materials the how we are how hazardous these products are to our health and the back of the pen, there is glue you all know what we use for glue we use it to stick all the chemicals that we are putting and we are sticking them to our pens. So this is, to some extent, an ignorant uh, act that the governments are doing. And this is not just an issue for, for Africa or Zimbabwe. So I took it upon to challenge, even in Norway, to say, this is what is happening. I thought i had escaped when I was in Zimbabwe. I was using <laughs> this type of thing. And I came yeah, here, and it's still the same thing. Perhaps the expensive ones have better quality. So me, it's about um, also emphasizing on the quality of uh, sanitary wear or pairs that we are giving to the people. So, the main issue that we have been also advocating for is the quality of sanitary wear. You see that most girls are using cow dung, uh, trying to make their own sanitary wear using uh, recycled clothes and making them because it's difficult to buy a packet of pads. it's a dollar plus every month. And apart from going for the period, the period comes with pain sometimes. You also need to get some medication, and it's so, it's, it's so expensive. And sometimes you have to miss school because of that. You can't afford, the pet what to talk of the medication. So it's a very difficult topic that the government and the families are still ignoring as a priority so for now I think I'll end that.
1: Yeah. Kili yeah. Lashun, um, uh, uh, how widespread would you say that these type of uh, um, taboos are? in the world today is it common in most cultures that menstruation is seen as something dirty and uh, something you're not supposed to show or talk about
4: oh yeah Uh, it's very common and uh, we don't uh, you know need to travel outside of norway's borders because uh, also in norway in our society which uh, you know tends to look at ourselves as the most gender equal society in the world uh, menstruation is still a taboo, and um, I think it's getting better. Uh, but, but you know, uh, personal experience: uh, getting my period at the first time, uh, I was so afraid uh, going to school that uh, I was going to bleed through my my clothes, and it totally changed, uh, you know, my my um, uh, my days at school. Uh, and that you know, I had, and then just imagining a girl in Ghana or in uh, Uganda, you know, uh, where there aren't uh, pads accessible uh, for, for people, uh, where the toilets uh, are not private, uh, where they are unclean, where there are no places to wash their hands. It's a huge hobby. Uh And, uh, you know, from care's from perspective, You know, and the way I see this is that the question about the taboos and menstruation is also part of a greater gender equality issue. Because it is quite interesting, it's quite fascinating to think about the fact that many of the taboos that exist are related to women's bodies. And you see it also in the international scene, one of the most difficult issues to get uh, international agreement on are issues related to gender equality and especially their sexual and reproductive health and rights. So, uh, it's big, it's huge. But um,
1: I'm wondering if you could elaborate a bit on whose fault is it? You know, is it just people? We were are we're very um, you know people have prejudice. Uh, societies are backwards. Um, they are uneducated or ignorant. It's it's people who create these type of attitudes. Or is it governments? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I can this. Um, I think uh, this
3: is goes back to the um, socialization uh, that we also get from the families and also how we are brought up. Uh, I remember when I was talking to some of my friends and one of our friends was throwing some shade and stuff and we were like, why are you acting like a 16 year old in the first period? So it's uh, those languages to say it comes with an attitude. It's how we mold the language. And also in some contexts, I know if a girl is going on a period, in my language they say, means she's leaking. So it's, it's seen as if, how can a person be leaking, moving around? This is natural, it happens. So it's the language that we we were brought up using and the government now also takes upon the societal values that are being taken up to nullify how important menstruation is. So it's- yeah, is, what, do, what do the governments do? Do they uh, actively use this derogatory
1: language? Or is it the fact that they just don't talk about it? They just ignore these issues. They do talk they about, about it. It. Last they year
3: do. in Zimbabwe, uh, one of the members of parliament, her name is Priscila Rambi, she took it upon the parliament to, she went with a youth pad in the parliament and all the male parliamentarians and all, and then the female parliamentarians elected what are you doing? This is not good and, you know, she felt a lot of uh, uh, criticism and then they challenged the 2018 budget that was presented to say if you are not being gender sensitive to the budget, to consider uh, provision of pet uh, or accessibility of pets, then we are not approving um, the budget. And later on, uh, after she had uh, pursued the argument, that's when we saw some members of parliament coming on her side but at first she, she was shamed for speaking about it and also bringing a youth pad because she say this is what is happening if you didn't know this is the pen, this is how it is like and this is how we go through as women so it felt a lot of resistance uh but later on it got to be accepted however it hasn't materialized so the government to say yes we will provide but they will not provide yeah, we have yeah. only two companies in zimbabwe that produce um, pads, so you can imagine, and all the raw materials are coming from China and South Africa. We don't have those raw materials. In the
1: yeah, it is very interesting. Like in uh, in um, Uganda, where my family is from, in the 2016 election, the the uh, president Museveni actually brought in this issue of pads for schoolgirls into the election campaign and made all sorts of promises, and of course, they never materialized. You know, a couple of years later, his wife, who's a minister, then comes out to say that there's no money in the state budget for pads. So um, it is a political issue. But what do you want your government to do?
2: So I'll give an example of Kenya. Um, so every year is a budget for menstrual health and pads by the government. It's included in the budget. Uh, last year it was 400 million shillings. Uh, in the 2017-2018 budget, it was five hundred billion shillings. This money is meant to provide uh, sanitary pads and tampons to full going girls, but then also have bigger conversation around um, having uh, discussions in schools about menstrual health, uh, sexual reproductive health services. But funny enough, there's money for budgets, but it has never been bought. They do not buy these things. They do not. Do this awareness creation in the schools. Um, So there was so much pressure from feminist and women's rights activists who are saying, listen, every year there's a budget for maternal health, and you know, uh, but we do not see what the government is doing. Uh, The first lady came on board, um, but I think it was more of a PR as opposed to something that she was really passionate about, and because it was election year. So right now they are claiming to pilot a project where uh, out of 47 counties, one county is going to receive uh, free pads to grow. So the government is going to provide the pads, to girls. But then, what the fuck are you piloting? Okay, is he's, you know, providing pads a pilot. What are you piloting? What are you studying by this pilot? What are you, what are you trying to say? So it's more of trying to uh, bite and, you know, make you feel nice, but then they are not really doing, there's no political commitments even sometimes from the women in peace, you know, because there's so much shit to handle as parliamentarians that this just takes a back seat. Most of the women MPs, who, you know, we talk to, they're like, listen, it's not that I do not want free parts for girls, it's just that it's not part of the priority. We've got terrorism bills, we've got corruption bills to discuss, we've got so much that even bringing such a subject is just difficult. And as you know, gender representation in parliament is skewed against women. So it's the majority who vote and say, today we're going to talk about more important things, whatever more important things are. So there they are women and people who are very passionate and fast thinking and fast forwarding, but then they come up to this room full of men who just want to think about money, who just want to allocate more allowances to themselves. And even an issue around free sanity even to their daughters who well, are in those sense, it's good. It's not
1: an issue. Yeah, but those people's daughters yes. can afford the pads. Um, I'm thinking, you know, to sum up in a way, uh, you have uh, pointed to several things. You're pointing to uh, the quality of the pants, you're pointing to um, the distribution or the access, and you're also pointing to the stigma and the taboo surrounding it. Um, I'm interested in in another aspect of it because sometimes we think that governments can fix everything. But I was also thinking that sometimes it's like innovation or business people who tend to come up with solutions. You know here, uh, women just use disposable pads because people here have money and they can buy stuff and then you just throw it away. Um, In Uganda, there's quite, there's been, you know, quite a lot of uh, young schoolgirls who are using reusable pads that you wash, and dry, and use again and again, which saves them a lot of money. And, uh, and uh, there's also been a project where um, they, uh, somebody uh, invented pads made from, uh, what was the material? Yeah, it was Uh, uh So they're, they're made from a natural fiber, yeah? And those ones have been distributed to refugees. So, um, i was wondering, uh, if you could talk a little bit about what technological uh, or business innovation can mean when creating societal change, in this case, with, you know, regarding women's health.
4: Okay, I'll try my best.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hinting to it because I know <laughs> care has been using mobile technology for yeah, instance. Yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, uh, we use... Uh, Technology we use also related to this is more uh, when it comes to knowledge, giving uh, people access to, uh, to knowledge uh, and the possibility for people that don't have a health clinic or health personnel they can talk to, giving them a chance to be able to, to access uh, knowledge in that uh, way. But I also know when it uh, that there are some interesting uh, piloting, probably uh, <laughs> innovations <laughs> taking place. Uh, menstrual cups uh, in in uh, some parts of uh, of uh, Africa. I think maybe Kenya, Uganda. Uh, I don't know Zimbabwe as well. Yeah, uh, which is quite promising, uh, as I've understood. I don't know the details about that uh, research, but I think that for any. Challenge there is um, innovation, business, making sure that uh, products become more affordable uh, so you can save costs. Also, because politicians are using cost as a reason for not doing anything, the more we can lower the cost uh, will for sure uh, work. But I just wanted to make a comment about also the taboo uh, part uh, because you asked the question, whose fault is it? And I think that that is an interesting discussion uh, but I think in many ways we all need to take responsibilities no matter where we are because breaking the taboo it always happened by somebody starting to speak up. Uh, so, uh, and of course, politicians have more responsibility than than uh, citizens. Uh, but but the fact that we start speaking about it, uh, that we start addressing it, I mean, Anna uh, sombar and and uh, um, you know when she's spoke about this in New York, and I, I thought it was fantastic,
1: the Prime, Minister. The Prime Minister. I she spoke about it, it in the U.N. In, in, in the tradition.
4: U.N. and, and uh, you know, the Minister for Development, he was in Nepal uh, last year. Uh, and um, there's a huge focus on, on attending school for girls in Norway. Uh, but he made uh, a point about saying that we need to address uh, also uh, menstruation and uh, the challenge that many girls face when they menstruate going to school. So, so, so I believe in that. I believe in breaking the taboo by talking openly about it. I believe that uh, knowledge uh, is going to, to help as well. I
1: just want to say that you guys uh, can ask questions. Does somebody have a mic out here? Um, Yeah, it's possible to ask questions or to make comments. Do you want to share some experiences or do you want to to challenge the panel in any way? Welcome, please come. Please say your name uh, and if you represent an organization, you can let us know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
2: so, comment away. <laughs> so I'll, I'll speak about involving men in, in this, uh, maybe. um <laughs> Louisa speak <laughs> <gonna laughs> about um, um, product. Uh, so, I'll be honest. When, um, what I've been doing, uh, how this started, how this publicity started around carrying cards, was for, for years I've been carrying that. And uh, it came from a story when I was in seminary school and I was teaching uh, primary school uh, girls. Um, and one of the girls happened to have a period when I was there. So she just noticed that she was bleeding and she couldn't understand why. So she became so fearful and ashamed because like, you know, she started putting her legs together, started fidgeting, and then her deskmate noticed and, you know, so the black states and then started making jokes, you know. You know, got really afraid and were like, what was going on? So then, uh, as she stood up, all the other girls in the class laughed at her. So as uh, she ran out, um, I also didn't know what was going on, okay? Uh, I have grown up in a girls' household where the first time I saw a sanitary pad, I was actually beaten. <laughs> For carrying it and just looking at it, I was was literally slapped. Uh, So, you know, I knew it was something that was in the house, but I didn't know what it was for. So I grew up with fear around having a sanitary pad. But then when this happened, when this incident in that primary school happened, I realized, wait, we need to have bigger conversations. So it's not just a provision of pads. It is me sparking conversation around how we should be talking around sex, about menstruation, and why we should be informing girls as early on in their lives about these natural processes that they're going to go through. But she
1: was also interested, because I think we're all completely convinced about your uh, very sincere... um, uh, You know, your heart beats, uh, and you're on our side in this issue. But the point is, where are your brothers? Where are the other guys? Have you met anyone who wants to
5: front this issue? No, I haven't. <laughs> Actually I, I
2: have received so much slack for it. Um I've got guys with the story came out, I've got guys saying, Do not be warned over by these toxic feminists. So I'm like, what do you mean toxic feminists? You know. So it's still an issue to even broach the idea of subject around menstruation to men, yeah. it's, it's a big issue. They say, it, ah, it's a woman's issue, it's not it doesn't involve me, yeah. you know. But then it should and it must. So by carrying it, having it highlighted, uh, talking about it uh, openly. And these days, you know, I go to a meeting, I'll talk about yeah. it. I'll say, you know, by the way, I'll talk about the rights, blah, blah, blah. Just mention, as a pop-up window, by the way, it's like this and this. So in case you need pads, you need to have bigger conversations. So it's it's those pockets
1: of change, trying to spark conversation that we should, and, you know, manage you thinking like if you want to advance a nation and you want to use all resources and you agree to the principle that it's important to give girls education one should be or uh, interested in eliminating the 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 factors that are hindering girls in in getting that education or or at least yeah um luisa yeah uh,
3: i want to comment on kezia's comment especially to do with the family I think there are a lot of um, myths surrounding the education when it comes to menstruation and not just menstruation, it's about sexuality, all those things. I grew up being told that sex is bad until when you are maybe up to 27, 28, when you want to get married, over that uh, kitchen party you are told you are expected to change your mindset within a couple of hours to know that sex is good, but the rest of your life, you're told <laughs> bad. So it's the same with uh, with uh, menstruation. You're told, don't talk about it. And then overnight you're told, this is a woman's pride. So you need to embrace yourself, know that you're a queen when you're going for your period. You know, so it takes time. It takes so much time with the family but uh, I understand the African institution, our aunts long back, they used to take down um, the girl child, talk to them, you're growing up, at such and such a stage, you start to go for your period, and this is what should happen. I remember when I started, I started very late, and when all my friends had started, I had to pretend as if I had already started as well, but I knew nothing was happening. But when I started, I didn't have so much information, and it was at 19, and then at 19, it felt a bit weird because I didn't want to spoil myself because I knew if I would spoil myself, people would laugh at me. So I had a huge and thick base of cotton wool. I had a pad and I was walking like some people, <laughs> so difficult to walk. And you know, this, I was told, guys are not supposed to see your blood. And if they see it, and even when you talk to them, when you give them eye contact, they can even see that you're on your period. You can't play, I love dogs. You can't be around the dogs because the dogs can sniff. I was told all those things. So within the family institution, there are a lot of myths that have to be, we have to demystify those myths and talk about the realities of uh, menstruation and sexuality and sexual education as well. So I agree with you. Uh, Yes.
6: Okay. Uh, I think, Louisa just kept me into what I wanted to say, but I'll just...
1: Tell us who you are, please.
6: Okay, my name is Innocent Banda. Uh, I'm working with SAI.
4: Ah, I are from Zimbabwe.
6: Anyway, I'll just have to say that um, to support what Louisa was saying, that um, it also kind of uh, helped my brother here in explaining where are the other men. It's also about how we were raised, how I grew up. Because uh, the same person who is in the parliament, who is the president, who is uh, uh, the minister, uh, he has also some of the same roots that I have from my uh, family, from the upbringing. So if if my parents uh, made me conscious about all these things when I was still young, when I grow up, I'm going also to be conscious about uh, these issues. I will also be conscious and help my other sisters. For example, I remember my sister when she started to go to into a very, I knew it because I had been dating some girls and I knew how they were behaving. So I actually <laughs> noticed something happened to her and on that day. But she was quite afraid because Mark wasn't home. But I had to talk to her, what's happening? And she, she, she was afraid to tell me. And then I said, I think I know what's happening to you. Tell me why it's happening to you. That's when she confided in me. And then I said, no, okay, maybe look into Mark's. bedroom and find some pets if you see them. Or let us go to the shop and then, went together and they luckily I knew how to put a bed on a pet because I had a girlfriend who told me how to do it. So I actually helped <laughs> her. Yeah. So uh, the, all these issues they depend on how we are raised as people. So as, as starting these conversations in families, it will make our children grow up, be conscious about all these things and knowing that This thing that is happening to our sisters is not something that is a taboo or something uh, that that shouldn't happen to to a certain human being. So uh, we need to start this uh, conversation at a family level so that we can actually be able to achieve uh, what we want to achieve.
1: Does somebody else want to ask a question or a comment? Yes. Please, uh, could you bring the mic to the front row, please? Uh, I think this will be our last question, and um, I think, can you guys hang around for a little while after, yeah. because they need the stage in about uh, seven minutes, but if they're around for a little while longer, it's also possible to come and comment or talk to them or ask them something. Welcome. Okay, may I have two very really quick comments and questions? Bring okay. it close
5: to your face, okay. please.
3: Very uh, <laughs> really quick comments and questions.
1: Yes.
5: Uh, the first question is, uh, how have uh, feminists moving back
3: Because as Louisa mentioned, for many women, menstruation and menstruation is a pride. And it's uh, about ownership of your own body. And what do women say and what do the feminists say when you try to pass and talk about menstruation? And my second comment uh, is related to the question of uh, taboo and the roots of this taboo. And uh, in my community, or in my part of my community, uh, menstruation has been used as a symbol of female weakness. So uh female who's menstruating can't lead Muslims in prayer She can't leave. So is this in reality about suppressing women in general? And we're talking about the great policy So do you have any thoughts about this broader implication of menstruation
5: in uh, some African communities or global
1: communities? Yeah, maybe can can you comment on that? Um maybe Grimms Well
4: I think you put it is good, um, and there are many taboos, and not all the taboos exist in all places, so there are different one, uh, ones uh, around the world. But in general, not knowing all of the taboos, I would say that they are related to women's bodies in general, uh, their sexual and reproductive health and rights, and also. A woman's body, uh, their sexual and reproductive health and rights uh, is extremely strong in many cultures. I was thinking, you know, I didn't know if I was going to mention this, but let us just think about the fact that if it was men menstruating, do we actually think that the same taboos? would exist? I don't think so. So it is related to the fact that we are also women. That, uh, I think that's quite clear.
1: Yes, would you guys like to comment on her other point, which was the reaction? What do, do, let's say women, feminists, who kind of own the feminist struggle, what do they think about you and your strategy of walking around with your past? <laughs>
2: So thankfully, yeah, I haven't had um, any major direct confrontation. Um, but when the story broke out, um, this is really funny. Apart from the people who are commenting, the majority of men who were are commenting and insulting, there was a minority of women who also joined that conversation of saying, wait, I you have a bitch. Um, do you have a vagina now uh, that you're carrying hat? So then I'm wondering, wait, I said, I thought this was for you. So why, why are you now turning against me? Um, but I'm sure you know, those are simply online trolls. Um, but so to me, it's, it's a matter of, listen, we are all in this struggle, all our struggles are connected. Um, I'm doing my small part, and I'm sure you guys are also doing your small part. Um, we all need allies, whether different, queer, whatever you, you, um, they may be, in the struggle And you need more and more muscle power, you need more and more people talking about issues. And I think that's a very feminist ideal uh, ideal concept. That we to, to me, a f- feminist is not just for women. Everybody needs to be a feminist. Everybody needs to be as progressive as you can be. Um, it's, it's a simple act that then speaks to a larger um, conversation around sex and sexuality. Um, and I hope that with that small act that I'm doing, I can be able to continue. And I'm sure there'll be many more men probably have inspired a lot of men to start caring, And probably they, they won't get the airtime time that I have, do you see? So, and I'm sure that is what is going on. Uh, I've got guys who come back and say, hey, by the way, thank you for doing that because you know it's it's a concern. I grew up in a household full of girls. I could not be able to do this. So now at least I'm able not. To, and that's the change we want to see. I'll take that as your ending statement. Yeah. Uh, I think I will leave
1: it to you. Can you give us a minute? Uh, summing up, what do you think is the most important message you want to give them before we round off?
3: Okay, uh, my message would be, it's a bit... Con- talk it listen- okay, stop mic, because it's louder. Okay, uh, my comment is a bit controversial, uh, but I think it's very important. If we can provide condoms, uh, why can't we provide pets? Because sex is a choice, and menstruation is not a choice. So it's up to you, I'm provoking, so it's, it's a, co- a very controversial debate. But I think it's important to talk about. So why not provide pets? Because I don't choose to go on my period. I don't choose to be a girl child. So, yeah. Grie okay. Grie, Louisa,
1: and Dennis. Thank you very much.